Welcome, and you're listening to Geekologist Radio, a division of the Ninja Pancake family of podcasts. Hey, it's Jeff, and welcome to a special edition of Geekologist Radio, where we tackle our episode 4 of season 7 of Game of Thrones. In each of the spoiler casts of this season, we will give you our initial impressions, talk about the story, and where every major plotline is, and our thoughts, which will include hits and misses. As always, we will give you our theories and where we think this will be going. But let's introduce our panel for tonight's cast and get started. First up, we got Cajun. Yes, I'm ready. I'm excited. I saw things explode, and yes, ready. Go, go, go. Yeah, there was fire and a little bit of ice, (laughs) but mostly fire. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it's mostly fire, yeah. And next up, uh, we got Chris. Dude, I'm ready to toast some marshmallows. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but it won't toast. It just literally just disintegrates. It'll go into into crisp. It's like the form of a body that just disappears. You know what? It's barbecue season, guys. That's what's up. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's go ahead and give our initial thoughts of the of this episode. Uh, Chris, what do you got for us? Uh, as far as this episode was concerned, I thought this was a lot of filler uh, and not a lot of progression of the story for me. Like I, uh, there were a couple of points where I thought it kind of moved a little bit, but this of the four episodes so far, to me, this one had the least amount of plot moving for me out of the four shows. Mm-hmm. Come on, ride that loot train. You can't ride it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't remember anything else that happened. It literally, it took me a bit to like, after that scene was over, I'm like, wait, what else happened in the episode? Yeah. Because the final scene just sucked all of the memory and energy just right out of me in a great way. And it's just like, oh yeah, other stuff happened. Now I need to remember all that. I feel like there was fervor and heat in a lot of these scenes some in a cave some with uh, some sword play and some with just actual dragons and fire so i mean it was uh for me it was a pretty interesting episode yes sir i'm gonna be throwing out a lot of pinches of salt in this episode oh really (laughs) bring it (laughs) bring it i have the i I have the sugar right here baby (laughs) (laughs) all right so let's go ahead and go down our list of different areas and let's start at King's Landing. Uh, I think that we can pretty much blow through this pretty quick. Because uh, the show did too. Yeah, you could literally exactly. blink through King's Landing this week. Like blink, up, done. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. All we mm-hmm. had there was a talk between Cersei and uh, the representative of the Iron Bank and basically saying I'm going to get you your gold and you're going to like it, and you're going to back us. And that was about it. Blink, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the head of the Iron Bank was like, yeah, 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 I agree. I love your money. We wish we could collect more interest off of it. (laughs) And it's the biggest one we've ever received. Thank you so much. How else else can we let you borrow more of our money? Yeah, exactly. It's just like any any bank, right? So (laughs) If you pay us off and get us into... And back in our good favor, then yeah, we'll give you more so you can give us more interest. This is where my salt, salt begins. 
I have. Yeah, the only new thing that we found, though, is that Cersei says she hires the Golden Company, which we haven't seen in the show, but from book lore, um, it's a very good band of mercenaries. So she's hiring this band of mercenaries. So that's going to be adding to her firepower in terms of the uh, what she can actually compete with in a, on a battlefield in a fight. And isn't that led by a bastard of the the rivers, uh, the Riverlands? I think it could be because those guys have been away for a really long time. And I think that from some of the research that I did, I think that he might have Targaryen blood as well, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Don't we I all at this point? Smoke. I know. Yeah, ever, yeah. <laughs> even if he does, they might not even bring it in in the show. Yeah, he'll probably have a Valerian steel sword just because that's what every leader needs in this show. My show notes <laughs> for this entire scene was this whole scene was a waste and unnecessary movement of the plot. Terrible. It had no meaning. They could have cut five minutes out of this episode, at, uh, the shortest episode of the season so far, and mm-hmm. they could have cut five more minutes out of it with this. Epi- with this, it was. Ter- it was. There was no need for this. Yeah, I. I think there's more to with the bank. I think that's why they're hitting this because if at the end of this Cersei loses, then the bank's next big investment into her, they're going to lose out on that. And so if she takes out an even bigger loan than what she just took substantially, then and Daenerys wins, then that basically uh, puts the bank in a bad position. And as said before, the bank funds slaving Mm -hmm. in some scenarios. So they, they fund governments and things that run slaving so uh it, they could be a focus of daenerys at some point it could be a distraction to the plot but they, that's one of the only reasons i think that we're focusing so much on it i really thought they were focusing on it because she was gonna default and she was gonna get her gold but that blew right out the window and that was my prediction from last week i thought that that was going to be the case when it didn't happen it that's when the scene became less meaningful and when i was watching it i'm like yes it's vindication like they're setting this scene up for her not to get the money and then it, and she got it, and I'm like, oh, well, this is what a waste. Yep, same. Well, for her to go and take her vengeance out on the Iron Bank, she'd have to go back to Essos. I don't think that that's going to happen at all. She's going to stay here until everything is said and done, and she's sitting on the throne in her eyes. Cajun, to your point, though, the fact that she paid repaid her debts, and, and a Lannister always repays their debts regardless of what how they the means to which they pay them, now that she repaid such a large amount, they probably will be allowed to to borrow more, even more money than they should be allowed to borrow, considering they have none at this point. They gave all of the money that they did have to pay off the debt, so they're back to square one again with no cash, just a lot of a uh, lot of food. That's all they got, right? Because he doesn't know the banker doesn't know that they just stole the entire coffers mm-hmm. of Highgarden. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He just thinks Jamie went to um, Castle Rock, got the cash, and is delivering it. So he might not know all this other stuff happens that not only is Castle Rock broke and King's Landing broke and Highgarden broke, there's there there's, they, there's really no rich places anywhere left in Westeros. So he yeah, he's he's putting he's putting investments in money that doesn't exist. This is the one plot hole that I, I get really upset about with Game of Thrones is people know things when they need to know them and people don't remember or know things when they don't need to know them. When they need to move the, the plot along, everybody's heard the story of blah, 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 blah. When they don't want the plot to move along and they want people to be ignorant, then all of a sudden people are ignorant. So it's really it's really convenient how the story writers will allow people to know, oh, your brother's dead, but your other brother's alive. How did you know that? I don't know. People told me. And then other people just don't know that, you know, Jamie took out Highgarden, which timelines don't exist. So 
somebody could have known that. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's one of the things that I, that bothers me just about how they move along the plot lines sometimes, specifically in this season. Yeah, and there's a scene later. I'll, I'll comment on that. I actually made a comment about that in my notes on, uh, but that's, that's later on. Yeah, every time is relative for sure in this. Yeah, but it's also the knowledge part that mm-hmm. Chris is saying too. And I have, I have one on that line, like, huh, it's kind of convenient of this, but we don't know about that. And uh, it's it's actually in the next scene, actually, so I can move into where, to the uh, north. where I drag. So. Yeah, let's <laughs> go to the north. And yeah. the oh no, not not the next scene. Sorry, oh, I'm, I'm a little that. further ahead. So oh, okay, <laughs> my notes on are further down. Sorry, Kate's just pulling me from last week. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, back if we go to the north, I feel like can you throw salt on this, Chris? Yep, there's a lot. Oh really? Like, okay. The Valerian the Valerian steel dagger I think was awesome because we called that. Uh, we talked about that last week, and we saw the dagger. We knew we had a theory that it was Littlefinger with Bran, although we thought he might be using it to intimidate Bran. Instead, he was using it as a peace offering, maybe, to Bran? Yeah, basically, he came in, like, Littlefinger just, he sees this as, this is Westeros. You're the eldest uh, full-born male. This is yours now. I'm giving you a peace offering because I'm trying to position myself well with the new king of the north or then queen of the north or king of the north or... Whoever it is, all these Starks keep appearing out of nowhere. I'm going to position myself with the one that's going to rule this thing. And he goes to give this gift. But uh, but just like we said before, like, Brian doesn't want it. And Littlefinger doesn't get that read on him at all. No, no, I have the line, which I think is really good. Because Bran asks, does, does Littlefinger know who it belongs to? And Littlefinger says, no. That very question was what started the War of the Five Kings. In a way, that dagger made you what you are today. Forced you from your home. Drove you out into the wild beyond the wall. I imagine you've seen things that most wouldn't believe. To go through all of that and make your way home again to only find such chaos in the world, I can't only imagine. And then Bran interrupts him and says, the line that I couldn't friggin' understand. Apparently you have to watch it with subtitles, according to Cajun. He says, (laughs) chaos is a ladder. Which is really eerie because Littlefinger doesn't get caught off guard. Remember the line, the, the conversation he had with Sansa last week about be prepared for everything. And mm-hmm. he was not prepared for that line because that told him that Bran knows some stuff that he shouldn't know. Yeah, Bran is basically, he has watched every episode of Game of Thrones just like us. <laughs> like he's seen every episode. He's read all the books. He's read all the theories. He knows everything that's happened up to this point. And so he's able to express that information to anybody he, he so chooses. And the actual quote, I, I actually put down the quote here. It's uh, between... Littlefinger and Varys uh, speaking in King's Landing. And Littlefinger says, uh, uh, The realm, do you know what the realm is? It's a thousand blades of Aegon's enemies, a story we agree to tell each other over and over until we forget it's a lie. And then Varys says, But we do not, but what do we have left once we abandon the lie? Chaos, a gaping pit waiting to swallow us all. And then Littlefinger says, Chaos isn't a pit, chaos is a ladder. Many who try to climb it fail and never get to try again the fall breaks them and some are given the chance to climb they refuse they cling to the realm or the gods or love illusions only the latter is real the climb is all there is so little figure seeing his reality come to fruition he thinks when he, yeah. while he's doing this and giving this dagger to bran and then you you see the line that he says right before he gets excused when mir comes in and he says Lord Stark, and he's, he corrects him immediately, and he said, I'm no lord. 
And so Bran just sees himself as the Three-Eyed Raven. That's it. This dude is no, he's a bird at this point. He is not yeah. Bran any longer. Well, yeah. And I think uh, Jeff said last week, great analogy of Dr. Manhattan. You call oh, him? yeah. No, he is yeah. a total yeah. Dr. Manhattan now. He sees so much, he doesn't uh, he doesn't see himself as Bran. What she says to, uh, you just said her name. Uh, Mira. Was, Mira. Yeah, yeah, he says that to Mira, that Bran basically died, or Mira says it to him. You Bran died in that cave, and so he's not Bran anymore. He is the Three-Eyed Raven. It's kind of weird, because I don't know if Mira sees him as more than a friend or as a friend, but when she like says to him that, you know, you don't need me. And he's like, nope, but thanks. And she's like, really? Like, that's all you got to say is thanks? Yeah, she lost her brother. She cares about him. Like, all of this stuff that's going on right now, she has she has all of the human emotions she has with somebody who's gone through everything that they've gone through together. But right now, uh, he has nothing. He has none of those human emotions. Mm-hmm. And she's basically saying goodbye to someone she cares a lot about. And... It's it's you could see it just ripping her apart like oh yeah I I expected this but man I didn't didn't want to feel this well, she is talking about like my brother died for you and we've been through all of this I mean you think about the journey that they went through all the way through uh the north or uh, beyond the wall and it is taxing like they went through a lot they lost the two people that were the closest to them. And this actually makes me think a lot when Bran did that, uh, did what he did to Hodor. Maybe he wasn't acting as himself anymore, but he was acting as the three eyed Raven. And that was the first time that you actually see that happening. Yeah. And, um, but I I really don't know what's going to be happening with, with Bran moving forward in terms, but it's, the scenes with him are just, we know, we get it at this point. Mm-hmm. He's emo and emotional, and they really don't need to play that anymore. Uh, let's use his visions. Let's use his foresight. Let's let him communicate important information to people, but we don't need to know that he's emotionless and emo anymore. We get it at this point. But this kind of puts the emotionlessness part like right on front street, and it shows that even a person who saved his life, he has no feelings for. So mm-hmm. at, it doesn't even matter, brother, sister, person who saved my life i don't even care at this point i i'm not bran i think her stating that he's not him really him anymore is making it clear considering he said to you know sansa last week i'm the three-eyed raven i'm the three-eyed raven it's just okay we get it you're the three-eyed raven now when Arya got to the gate though that, oh, that was a pretty funny scene. that was awesome oh, yeah. <laughs> that was awesome they told yeah. told her to bugger off about three or four times not only that <laughs> but the the little talking that if you watch with the subtitles, you actually see what they're saying at the at the two guards at the gate. They're talking about like having sex with uh, one of the hand or one of the uh, servers uh, of the kitchen, <laughs> and yeah. the bigger guy is like, "Ah, oh, no, you. The only thing that you would have gotten with is like the liver or something like that." Yeah, not the not the actual person yeah. with the liver. Yeah, I remember, I remember walking up. I was like, I couldn't hear it, but I could just see the dialogue on the screen. Like, oh man, <laughs> they they transcribed that to you. The things you got from this scene specifically is when she answers the questions to the guard, she's answering questions about people that used to be there and not people that are there. So it it gives you a sense of time about how far along or how far away she is. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. it also when she brings up Sansa's name and then it says to him, you know, do you want to be the people that don't actually let me in and then have to answer to her if she's the new queen of the North? 
And it kind of let her show just kind of her, a little bit of her assassin skills because, I mean, once she wasn't playing with those guys at all, and they say as soon as they turn her back, she just, she just yeah. up and disappears just like she can. She also takes a look at the banner and sees how bad it is. And you see her pan throughout what used to be her home. And it's not her home any longer. And it, re- it reminded me of the wolf when she asked the wolf to come along. And that wasn't his, you know, that wasn't the home any longer for the wolf. This isn't the, her home any longer. So when she came, when she comes back, I think maybe when she gets there, she realizes I'm not in Kansas anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then they go, then she sneaks right in and, and uh, she goes, sneaks into the crypt and Sansa knows exactly where to find her. But uh, that, that started off a little awkward, don't y'all think? Like right between the two, you can tell like the chemistry, not between the actors, uh, well, because, or actresses, because they're the chemistry friends. between the two sisters wasn't there right away because they hadn't seen each other in a long time. And, but then they start, as they started talking, you could almost feel like they were, it was purposely warming them up to each other. And that, I liked how that played out. Well, I mean, you, you go through the past uh, seasons or season one, Sansa hates Arya. Like just absolutely thinks that, yeah, that she's, she's very just different a, people. Yeah, she's just stupid. And why aren't why can't you be a normal girl and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. And yeah, you can see that they're going. They kind of just see that they both have kind of grown and also became the things that they wanted to become. And yeah, yeah. And it was the thing with me was they both. They both did something. They both had great stories to tell, even if they could have great and bad. And they just, they basically did something. <laughs> they destined each other. Like, I don't have time to explain, but I don't have time to explain to each other about their very rough road to get there. And then, all right, yeah, I don't have time to explain it either. And we're good. And then they just moved on with life. Yeah. To your point, Eric, the, the lack of chemistry is the fact that they haven't seen each other in almost four years. Like if it or time wise, like four seasons, not years, seasons. Yeah, yeah. Right. So they don't they don't know how to talk to each other. They don't know how each other is. On top of the fact that the two actresses haven't played against each other in over four seasons either. And yeah, they said it, they said I, it was. I think awkward. that was more. But they still hang out as friends. Like oh, you yeah. see them but, in public events all the time. But um, yeah. so it wasn't that as much. It wasn't them misacting as much as the scene purposely making them awkward. But they said they felt awkward again with each other in the scene. Because they were kind of giggly, like almost like I don't know how to be. Like we weren't friends when we first started doing this, and now we yeah. are. So this is kind of weird. Like, how do I act with my friend? Because I, we act normally, you know, out whatever. That's true. Yeah. So the when she asks her if she has to call her Lady Stark now, and Sansa immediately says yes, it was like, okay, well that's where the that's where the line is right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's where that is. And the, the, yep. again, everything always goes back to Ned. Always standing like they stand in front of Ned, and she says it doesn't look like her dad. Could they got somebody to carve him out to make him look a little bit better? I love the fact that they constantly bring Ned into this. Ned was but Ned was in like what six episodes? <laughs> He's constantly being brought back into this show. I love it. Sean yeah. Bean, even though he doesn't last the whole saga, he leaves a last a lasting mark for sure. Yep, and Arya almost last left a lasting mark on Brienne. Oh yeah. <laughs> Now that was an amazing fight. Before, yeah, that's some great uh, acting right there. I mean, she was really playing like Maisie Williams was really playing it strong. Like she was doing all tucks and rolls and all over the place. Like, man, look at this go! 
Before that scene, they get in front of Bran though, because Sansa or uh, Arya oh, yeah, meets true. Arya meets Bran under oh, underneath yeah, the tree, yeah, yeah. and uh, of course Bran doing his normal emo crap shows her, and he's like, "Oh, I I noticed that you could have chose both paths. I thought you were going to King's Landing. I'm so emo." And she gives him a look like, "Oh crap! I didn't know you knew that." Yeah, I was considering going there, and then he talks about the list, and that's when Sansa was like, "Oh shit! There's a list." Because, well, because she, I mean, she knows there are lists. Ari just told her there was a list, and she believed that there was a, I think at some case she believed there was a list. No. But, yeah, it, it hit home even more so of Bran's ability to see, and, okay, this list is real, and it's a big part of her life. The big part of the scene is the fact that he gives uh, Ketspa to, to Arya, and she gets the dagger, which is a big deal. That's, he basically says, being um, disabled, he has no use for it. However... Mm-hmm. Knowing after he can see the future that she is now an assassin. No, no, uh, he can see present and past. He can't see the future. Yeah, no. But what I'm saying is, is he can. He knows that she's an assassin. See, he knows he knows knows what she's done previously. So this is going to be more of use for her. And also, he knows her intentions with uh, Cersei. So do it with what you will. Is here it is. Here it is. Yeah, you're much more effective with this thing than I am. And also, it sends the signal to Littlefinger that. Your gift to me meant nothing to me. You, you've accomplished nothing with that gift. And because during the duel, Littlefinger just can look right down and can see the dagger with Arya. So he, he knows his gift didn't go anywhere. There's a couple of things about the Arya Brienne scene. Arya prods her and brings up the hound, which I thought was really cool because of how, of her past with the hound. Uh, Arya's past yeah. with the hound. She brings up the fact that Brienne is, is, is sworn to House Stark to protect so she the uses that house stark. yeah the women of, women of, yeah the women of house stark and the other thing that i now i'm gonna throw salt is i get that Arya is very slick and she's very quick and she has that sword but she can't out muscle brienne and i thought that that was way overplayed i thought the whole scene was overplayed it was way it was the cockiness i appreciate because she was also she was showing off she was like I used to not yes. be able to go against you, but now I can. So I get that they overplayed the scene, but when she kicks her, she should have been able to force her on that. On that, I think they overplayed what Arya is her capabilities is for me personally. Yeah, but but she literally got one kick from Brienne, launched her across the field, and if if Brienne would have followed that up, yeah, she would have done it. But it also showed how quick recovery Arya was as well too. So, I mean, she's trained by the most elite assassins in the world, in this world at times. So she has significant skills on the assassin side of it, which is your your speed and your cunning. Uh, and Brienne has good sword skills, a good sword stance, and good strength and everything. So, yeah, she's not going to overpower her, but the same way that Oberyn Martell beat the mountain, technically he beat him. Uh, you can beat somebody who's bigger and stronger with speed and finesse. Yeah, because Brienne has never gone against somebody that is quick and agile. Uh, everybody in Westeros fights with longsword and broadsword or axe, and it's more brute strength instead of finesse with like a rapier or or even a spear for the most part. And since since that it's a lot of like quick deflections i I think of it more like judo or aikido where you're using the momentum 
of your opponent. And I think that's what Arya was doing a lot of the time with the swings. She was deflecting them and then getting in and doing a quick poke scene, saying, hey, I got you. And she, Arya got her like a good two times before she even got the kick. Yeah. So she got in a, a right. couple stabs. Um, Jeff, I agree with that point it, because she held that sword behind her back, literally mm-hmm. straight up. And it was like, you make a move and then that's when I'll make my move. So yeah. she was waiting for whatever Brienne was going to do and then react to that move. That first time she swung and then she did that Matrix move, I was like, oh shit. Like, because like, she, I mean, she was lickety split and it caught Brienne off guard because that move should have knocked her out and it didn't. Did we notice, like, was Sansa watching? Yes. yes. When Okay. Yeah, she was watching, but was she watching when the challenge was made? Or did she walk in during? No, I think she they walked were in during. No, they, yeah. wa- they walked in during, like, right before the f- fight started, her and Littlefinger. Okay, because I didn't know, because it think. seemed like Arya was there putting on a show. Mm-hmm. Like, I can, I'm, I'm a badass now. And I couldn't tell if, I didn't remember if Sansa had seen it. And that was the instigator of it. The, the last line in that I thought was really awesome when she asked her who taught her that. And when she said no one, I it just made me smile a little bit just because it was no one who, you know, I'm no one. And it, it just right. made me feel good. Another nod. Mm-hmm. The Hound is still on her list as well. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was for her to prove that she could stick, stick it to Brienne and hold her own against Brienne then she could definitely hold her own against the Hound. The Hound is on her list, but he scratched off. She thinks he's dead. That's she true. thinks Brienne killed the Hound. Brienne thinks she killed the Hound. Mm-hmm. That's true. Both of, both of them think the Hound's dead. I think the Because pe- I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure Arya left the Hound for dead. So then... Because so, she like yeah. basically says, I'm leaving... If just, like, you're on my list. I'm leaving you to die here. And then Arya leaves. She, she assumes he died there. And I think the rework to what I just said was... She to prove that she could have defeated the Hound, she wanted to defeat Brienne in a duel. Oh, uh, and right. actually, yeah, to prove yeah. to herself that yeah. she could have done it. She could have done that. Yeah. While we're in the moment, I was going to wait to save That's, this question for later. Do you think that Sansa seeing Arya being able to defend herself and take down such a staunch, you know, player being Brienne as a female, that? she is now worried that if she crosses Arya in any way, that she could be on the list. No. Uh, Not at all the stuff they've been through. I don't think there's any fear of that. I think it's just, I think it's more of a fear of not knowing who your siblings are because she, Bran's not opening up to her or anybody besides just saying, three-eyed raven, three-eyed raven, three-eyed raven. And then Arya is now far more complex than what Sansa thinks. That's my thought, Jeff. Well, out of all the Starks, uh, the only one that has seen every single one is Sansa. And John was extremely different when she saw him. Uh, Bran, extremely different. And now Arya. So everybody has changed. And she thought she was the only one that changed, I think. Okay. I don't know why, oh, yeah. but so I think seen, that yeah. might have been what happened. The only reason I asked that question is while I was watching that scene, I thought to, thought to myself, is she worried that's, that eventually Arya is going to want what she has? And so she's not able to defend herself against something like that. So she'd have to be more cunning as opposed to fighting a brutal fight. She'd have to play more of a Cersei role because Cersei's not a fighter. She'd have to outthink her rather than outfight her. She would have to little yeah. finger her. I, yes. Yeah. And she, I, the Cersei I, I line. I didn't read that at okay. all in the scene, but uh, but it could be. But I, that's not how I read it. But it definitely could be a, a, something that they play a little more because there wasn't. 
they didn't really delve deeper into like why Sansa was uncomfortable and had to leave. I took the uncomfortability too when she mentioned that Cersei was on the list because she still has a kinship towards Cersei. So when Sa- when Arya said that Sansa or that Cersei was on the list, that Sansa was a bit uncomfortable with that because she still looks up to Cersei in, in a way. She idolizes. I think more of Cersei's methods as a leader than Cersei herself okay. is where I'm leading towards, towards Sansa's affection. I think she's a. I think Sansa is completely okay with Cersei dying, but she she admires her methods of uh, demanding respect and leadership, which is going to play something later. I think that yeah, she just likes that. Cersei's a cold hard bitch and she would like to be that as well. That makes me think of like that whole Paul Abdul Kohar snake song. (laughs) (laughs) Let's head into Dragonstone. Oh yeah, the heat of Dragonstone. Uh, So uh, go ahead. I was going to say, was there a a need for for Danny to talk to Missendi about the Unsullied and ask her how she did it with him? Like, (laughs) why was that conversation even part of it? I I have no idea. I liked it because no. uh, yeah, no, I think no. that I think that it kind of humanized her because the last three the last three episodes you've just seen her kind of like or, or not the la- last three but the last two she's just been kind of more harsh and like I, I just need to get this done but seeing that that she still has that kind of gossipiness to her kind of just makes her more human and brings her back town to yeah she can still be grounded I think that's where they were possibly going with that. Uh, it it has place if it plays into my theory that Grey Worm dies. It emphasizes the point that he has a romantic interest. This interest is his flaw in his character. Reminds people that he's there. Puts him in your heart, and that that could be a writing element to make his eventual death, if they put it that way, uh, to be more impactful. That's that's my thought on why that scene was there. That scene was really quick and it moved really fast into John showing Danny the caves. Yes, going into the dragon glass caves and then uh, seeing the carvings of the children of the forest, uh, explaining basically the history of the first war or the first winter long. The first men. Yeah, the first yeah. men. It looked. It looked. Uh, there's a lot. There was a lot of people making fun of it on the internet because it looked like like did a. Uh, did Sir Davos and John just go in there with some uh, some, some shocks and just carve that up real quick and like, hey, <laughs> they could have. We found things, something. <laughs> no, I, it was pretty interesting. I thought that the it gave John a visual proof to Danny that this exists and that the walkers are a real mm-hmm. thing, and he's not the only one who thinks that. The children of the forest are a connection to her, where she feels connected as a, a, a Targaryen to them. So I thought that was really interesting, and she thought that the men and the and the children of the forest were fighting and. The fact that he was able to bring up the point that two people with opposing views were able to come together at one point, I thought was really interesting. The thing that I didn't think was interesting was the forced sexual tension between him and Daenerys, which was way overplayed. It's it's Game of Thrones, and I think they're they are playing there. That was fan service to people who want to see them get together, and also to people who do not. There's a lot of people that watch this show, even after they saw the the scenes that we saw, who do not know that she's his aunt. That's, That's true. That is very true. But they're just in close quarters. It's like, so there's sexual tension because we're in close quarters. He grabs her arm. Oh, no. I mean, I get... Jon Snow in a cave, man. Get get Jon Snow in a cave and he gets down and dirty. His first time was in a cave. He's like... Horizon Zero Dawn style. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) He knows what to do in a cave with a hot girl. Yeah. (laughs) 
He admits openly to Danny that he can't kill the White Walkers without her dragons and her army. She says it. He admits it. He's like, yep, you're right. Can't do it. Already said I couldn't do it. And then she goes back to that damn line about Ben and the knee again. He's not going to do it. No. He's not going to do it. Listen, I thought yeah, so this time. I'm like, maybe he's going to consider it. And after this, I'm just literally, Jeff, I'm just going with you. This guy's not yeah. bending a knee for nothing. Not one thing. Yeah. That knee is never going down ever. She's obsessed with the knee bending. Like, to the point that she doesn't realize that people can bend the knee and then go back on their word. Mm-hmm. She, I don't think she thinks John's going to do that. But this is this obsession with knee bending, I think, is going to be a big character flaw from her moving forward what she can't accept is a verbal bending of the knee he can verbally bend the knee to her without actually doing it and for him to admit that he needs her help and that the dragons and her army are the way that she that he needs her that's bending the knee without actually doing it yeah he and he says that his like the people back home are not going to accept a southern ruler like, that's not going to happen. I will not be the king of the north if, if I bring you back and say, you know what, now we're following her instead of me. I'm sorry, I left. You told me that she was going to pull this crap, and she did. But it's okay. Just accept that. The, the people back home will not take it. Lady Mormont will just kick him in the shins. Yeah. A lot of them will, a lot of people of the north won't follow a Targaryen. No. Because they backed uh, the Baratheons. Right. And they've and even said... Nobody don't trust a Targaryen and all that jazz. So he has he has he has everything going against him to do it. I really thought he was going to, uh, and just. But the the thing that really is twisting it is that if he bends the knee, he has to follow her rule, and her rule is going to be demanding of him instantaneously. He wouldn't be allowed to be warden of the North, bend the knee and be warden. It would be, you're the Lord of Winterfell, and then now you have to respond to my call. And so he's not ready to do that. And that was where I, I misread that for sure. I think the last line that she said was her last play on him bending the knee and he didn't do it. And she asked, she said, is, is, is their survival more important than your pride? She tried to play that card and it still didn't have him bend the knee. At that point, if it's not, that's it. He's not, that dude's not bending. Because it has nothing no. to do with his pride. That's no. the thing. It yeah. has nothing he doesn't to do care. With it. Yeah. If it was just your, if him bending the knee was just Jon Snow having to follow Daenerys Targaryen, he's doing it. Yeah. yeah. I, he just showed her that he stuff underneath the cave as out of courtesy. It wasn't like he, it was like, well, we're mining anyway. And since I'm like one of the seven dwarfs and I'm just mining this crap over here, let me just show you something I saw real fast. And because I don't want you to say that I didn't try to show you. And then that was it. Well, like it, no, that, not courtesy. He wants her. Like he's, that was all about getting her on her side. Like, you didn't believe me. Look, there's more stuff here to believe me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I had more to it than that. This dragon glass isn't just here for no good reason. It's here because it was put here by the children of the forest, basically. Cajun, I really right. hoped that when they went underneath there that they would have shown those those eggs. When you were talking about the eggs yes. last week, I was like, where are the eggs? I thought that he was going to be <laughs> – I thought there was they were going to walk in there and it was going to be like Yoshi's Woolly World with a bunch of eggs just sitting everywhere and yeah. there was nothing. Yeah. Come see, I have something to show you. And that's exactly what I told my wife. I was like, oh, he's going to show eggs. Yeah. Show eggs. <laughs> that was how me and my wife were too. We were like, oh, there's going to be eggs. Oh, because uh. – I let her in on the whole the whole uh, thought process that I was having of Drogon being uh, that, and yeah. then I was like, "But also another one is there could be some in that dragon glass. Who knows?" 
Yes, were, were either yes, of you guys yes, yes. really awed by the dragon glass? Because when you first walked in, I wasn't that odd by the dragon glass. It was really dark, and it was just like these black crystals. It didn't. It didn't shimmer or shine like a, like I expected. The way they acted it's in the scene, dark. like it was supposed mm-hmm. to like pop, but it didn't pop for me on no. screen at all. Yeah, it's it's not like you're looking at a bunch of diamonds. No. It's just obsidian. Well, it's obsidian looks great black, black. in the sun, but the uh, torch isn't the sun. So I mean, you're not going to get the same effect. Yeah. They walk out of the cave, and Tyrion comes in with some really awesome news for Danny. Hey, guess what? The Unsullied took Casterly Rock. And then always the butts. But the ships were destroyed by Euron. And, and they're man, stuck there. They, yeah. Mm. She calls out Tyrion like nobody's business right on Front Street. And it was bad. Like, it was, like, it was really bad. Yeah, she calls him out and then basically just says, your advice is crap. I'm not following it anymore. Um, John, John Snow, I hear you're pretty good at uh, making decisions and leading and stuff, even though you don't want it. What would you do? That was a nice slap <laughs> to Tyrion because it's like, hey, guy, I don't trust. I'm going to ask your opinion in front of the guy I'm supposed to trust just to piss him off. And and then ask John's opinion. I, I, because he's a leader... It's okay, but it's still a, a backhanded slap to Tyrion. Like, I'm, I'm asking a guy that you know I don't trust at all his opinion on what I should be doing next. And then she calls out Tyrion and says, the only reason you're telling me to do whatever it is you're telling me is to save your own family. And she's not wrong. No. Yeah, I think I think it's more he's worried for Jaime than anything. Yeah. That's like sure. the only yeah. person. He doesn't care about Cersei. Yeah. Cersei. Cersei's dead to him. He just doesn't want Jaime to die because he still loves Jamie. He knows Jamie still loves him. He yeah. asks for her to call the Unsullied back and commit to the King's Landing blockade and to, to defend against your enemy. And she says, enemy, you mean your family. And that's just the last dagger. After asking John, that's like the dagger. Like, I'm not yeah. listening to a thing you say anymore. So now Tyrion is in a really bad spot. I think yeah. that it might have just been more of an outburst by... Uh, Daenerys, because she has kind of shown to be a little wishy-washy and quick with her tongue, and then goes back on it. I mean, we saw it in Marine all the time. Mm-hmm. She would say one thing, and then she'd be like, oh, wait, I I did a bad. Let me go back on that. I'm sorry. Yeah. And it wouldn't be the first time that she would apologize to Tyrion. My notes say hurt and scared. Yes. That's, she's hurt and she's scared. She's lo- She admits, I don't have any allies any longer. So she's scared and she's also hurt because the person she trusts and thinks knows everything because so far he hasn't been really wrong about a lot of stuff. Does Like, screwed up on a big one. Like, the ships, like, yeah. they went to the wrong spot. And she's been holding back on these dragons. Like, every time she's listened to him, don't play the dragon card, don't play the dragon card, play, don't play the dragon card. And she doesn't, and she feels like she should have. And now she's screwed because she doesn't have anybody to help her in the sea at all. Now, I think, basically, he proved himself in Essos, and I feel like he's a master of chess. And then he went over and tried, uh, tried to teach a bunch of people that play Mahjong how to play chess and was beating them in Essos. Now he's playing chess with a bunch of masters just like himself. And so it's just a battle of wits. And I mean, Daenerys hasn't seen that yet. 
this is the game that he is used to playing with people that are used to playing the same game. John and John's point. No, yeah. go ahead. John tells John tells her, and we we don't see it, but we pretty. I'm pretty sure John is the one that gives the advice on what to do there, of attacking Jamie's troops mm-hmm. on their way back from Highgarden. It's really weird though because he doesn't make it. He he doesn't say that verbally. He tells her that she's different, and that the reason why people follow her is because they believe in her magic. Like they believe the impossible is possible with Danny, and if. Uh, she uses the dragons to melt castles and burn cities that you're no different than your enemies. So don't use the dragons. Please don't use the dragons. But then two seconds later, like we see her using the dragons. So I don't No, That's not, he did not use the dragons to, to kill innocents. Okay. And I think that it was a smart cut. I, I would, I would bet money that in that scene on the beach, Jon Snow does tell her, but you can attack, uh, full-grown army that's out in the open in rebellion against you or not rebellion against you but against you and he tells her that but they cut it so that when the actual moment of them charging and over the hill happens it has dramatic attack where they can't see like your people can't see you attacking that so that's a good place to go like they can see you attacking the city so it doesn't make sense yeah his had nothing to do with view his 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 advice was all about attacking innocents. he didn't know where they were okay. he's just like don't attack innocents attack a full-grown army that okay. is a, that is out against you yeah right before we get to that big scene there is one quick cut of john and davos and i think was it was it Masend- uh it was Masend- it was Masend- yeah, for Masend- sure yep yep uh we're all on the boat uh receiving a Greyjoy uh, or they were all on the shore receiving a Greyjoy boat and here comes Theon John and Theon haven't seen each other since season one no and all he has heard is the stuff that Sansa told him well this is basically another Winterfell family reunion this is Winterfell family reunions left and right these last two episodes here's lining them up I got a couple... But no, go ahead. Go for it. I, I go was going to say, there's a couple of things that come up of that scene. One, Masendi is basically doing what Tyrion had said John do last episode. Talk to the people. Find out why they follow her. And Masendi said, regardless of whatever she did, she'd let me go. Tell me to be on my way. And I would stand by her. And he said, well, then leave now. And she said, I would leave, except I want to follow her. So she, she gave her, him a little bit of the backstory. This is where I'm still a little leery, Masendi. I still feel like there's something that's not right there. And Davos, er, Dan, uh, Danos keeps going at it. He keeps saying something like, something's not right with you. What's So that's where I'm a little, I don't know. There's Well, she's in love. I, no, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's I, love. I, but yeah, to me, it's still not even yeah. that. I still have this little thing in my stomach that it's not that. But the other thing that Danos says that I think is really key that was kind of brushed off really quick. Who? Uh, uh, Danos, right? Davos, Davos, pardon me, Davos. I, Sir Davos, I keep saying, I keep saying Dav- Danos. I meant Davos. Sir Davos yeah. says uh, there's less than ten thousand in the north. That's a that's a big deal because John says, "Oh, there's over ten thousand. He goes, "No, no, no, no. There's less than ten thousand. That's a th- there's a big difference between more than ten and less than ten. And John has made a big mistake. That's a lot less, like because we're talking more like eight versus like fifteen, maybe. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he he uses the word fewer, which the uh, the Baratheons used whenever he was following them. They kept, he kept saying fewer, and it's just like a man of few words. You just say it, it says something. It's like fewer. He kept using that a lot too. But 
Uh, when you brought up the point earlier about people only knowing things that fit the plot, uh, I think the for conveniency and consistency, uh, Sansa could have told John uh, about Theon not killing Bran and Rickon. But I think for this story and for him to be as mad as he is, that she didn't tell him about Bran and Rickon. And that that's why his anger for Theon is so high. Because like she could have told him all of this stuff. Because literally, she told John about Theon saving her. She could have told him the rest. But John's anger is really high. The other part of it is she could have also physically told him that. And that's being left out for us to determine what he actually knows. But Theon killed so many people. He took Winterfell. He betrayed his, his promise. And that could be also a reason why he could want to be killed by John right then and there. Jeff? The thing is, is that John does know about uh, Bran and Rickon not being dead because he saw Rickon die during the Battle of the Bastards. Oh, yeah! So it's more that Theon betrayed House Stark and killed their men and took the uh, Winterfell and was trying to take it for House Greyjoy, faked killing his brothers, and then disappeared. Killed all the people yeah. he liked. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Killed his maester, killed all the guards, killed all the people he, he liked. Yeah. He lifts Theon up, Superman style, and was like, listen, if it wasn't for the fact that you did, saved Sansa, I'd kick your ass right now. And you probably wouldn't be standing after this. No, not kick, kill. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, there's yeah. a lot of people around him. So, like, he'd have I'd, to go against a, a few Greyjoys. Oh, he he could already tell they didn't care. The Greyjoys <laughs> would let it happen. Yeah. Would let when it he's happen. He's the king of the north. Uh, he's a, yeah, he knew exactly what he could have gotten away with right there. And he could have gotten away with killing. Did you notice Theon didn't look like Reek when he came off the boat? He didn't have that right. twitch, that reek tweet twitch. So I don't. Yeah, he was acting. He was acting like Theon. I like Theon that. I so like he can, that. It's like he can turn it on and off now. Like so, I, I it just it was something I caught because I expected him to go into reek mode like as soon as he saw John and that death stare because that thing lasted. It felt like thirty seconds. It was just forever. Like he just kept staring at him. I'm like, somebody say something. And I expected reek to or for Theon to just cower, and he didn't. He said something. And then he talked about, you know, Lady Greyjoy and Euron, and they were like, well, we don't give a rat's about that. And they just moved on. They honestly didn't care. It was just, I don't, it was all meant for that scene, and I don't think anybody cared that Theon was there. Everybody already knew the information that Theon gave them when he when he came upon. It was just basically for the meeting of Theon and, and, and John. I think that scene was based upon that and that only, and it was kind of a move-on scene. Well, okay. then he asks, he's, he's here to see Daenerys to get uh, Yara back, mm-hmm. and John says Daenerys isn't here. No, and where is she? Yeah. Cutscene. <laughs> that yeah. was a great cut. Loot yeah. train. Come Dude. on, ride the train. Yeah, loot train. The loot train. The loot train initially is like the the scene where Jamie's giving Bronn the gold, and Bronn's still bitching about getting the gold, and he's like, "I want a castle. What's yeah, that? That's castle. That. Yeah, Highgarden <laughs> sitting right up there. I I want that." And he's like, you want to pay taxes on that crap? You don't want to pay tax. You don't have to defend that. You don't have to have old people for that. 
it, it was almost downplaying how awesome Highgarden is. And, and you look at it in the background, you're like, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I take that. I don't mind paying taxes on that. He just, I think he's, he's, he just wants what he was promised. He wants the lordship and the castle. He knows there's a war going on, so he still has to do his duty. But he wants to know, or at least have the paperwork to know that he's going to get it. Because even though he's with the Lannisters now, with Jamie, he doesn't know that they're going to win. And so he, he wants some security at the end of the day that he can go back to and, and, and get what he was he was owed. And he's not getting it from Jamie because Jamie is thoroughly distracted by the conversation he just had with the Lannitaro. Yeah. In Highgarden, you get the secondary plot, which is the fact that they need food. And when he tells Tarly, Lord Tarly, to go, you know, he asks Bronn to go with him to be the muscle, basically, you can convince them easily to to give up the wheat. It the subplot is they need food. They need to feed the they need to feed the people that are in King's Landing, and this is the way to do so. So grab all the crap. The gold is great because we have to, you know, take care of the Iron Bank, but we really need the food. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we really need to make fun of Dickon. Yeah, Dickon. Yeah, we really do. Dickon, <laughs> Rickon, nah, Dickon. Dickon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dickon uh. That combo with with, with Dickon and Dakon and uh, whatever is set up for what happens later. It's set up so that that he needs to be kind of downplayed a little bit, so that when he helps later, it means more. Well, they right. also say. Uh, they have a conversation with him, and he says that High Garden was his first battle. Mm-hmm. This is his first time drawing a sword uh, on a battlefield, and that kind of shows when they start hearing the thunder. Yeah. Well, he talks about the fact that he's never smelt dead. Like when he says, you know, dead people, or when you kill somebody, they've shit, they shit themselves. He's known about that since he was five. Braun, I'm like, oh, dang, man. Like, you've seen some things. I didn't even realize. Okay. You, you've been through some stuff. And it, the thunder, when you he, when he hear the clapping of the, of the, like, you hear the hooves, I literally stood up. I'm like, the horses! I was so excited about yeah. hearing the Dothraki. Like, I'm like, finally, they get the charge. And they came like freaking thunder, dude. It was awesome. Yeah, and uh, there's a quote that's been going around basically saying, this is an open field, and Robert Baratheon said in season one, only a fool would beat the Dothraki in the open field. And Jamie Lannister turns to Braun. Braun's trying to get him to go, and he's like, we have a... And Jamie basically says, we got a chance here, man. And, and, and like, no, uh, R- R- Robert Baratheon said, only a fool would do this. You're being a fool. Yeah. Stop it. Lord Charlie sets that up, too, because he talks about the head of the line being ambushed and that the tail could never catch up. So he's already suggesting the fact that those guys could not wrap around fast enough to help if the head is is left out in the open. So that already sets up what's going to happen. Yeah, and even then, it doesn't matter how many people are there. You're this, this, the Dothraki horde. It's an open field, and if you it, even if your shields are holding against it, the dragon will make a hole wherever it needs to. So mm-hmm. there was this was an unwinnable fight uh, for any military commander, even some of the best ones that were on the field right there, that was unwinnable for them. My notes say spears and shields, the Dothraki like an effing storm, <laughs> yeah. and, and Daenerys shouting uh, Dracarys, which yes, Dracarys. Means, yeah, me, in High Valerian means either all men must die, 
or it's translated to mean dragon fire. So it can mean either or. So again, all men must, all men must die because she's taking out whatever the front line is. Is that's what the dragon was initially trying to do, and also start spitting that fire, dude. Dude, yeah, it was and awesome. It was awesome. Yeah, and uh, I really like that they did. I, I don't. I don't like the fact that they said the gold is all in King's Landing because I really thought like Chris was that entire scene in King's Landing earlier was for Daenerys to steal the gold. And that puts even a bigger win on her front, but it just sets up other stuff uh, with this other thing. And then I really, I thoroughly thought that was a miss with the writing unless they're setting up something bigger mm-hmm. later. But it was like, I was constantly thinking like through the whole fight, every time the dragon would hit those carts, I'm like, what is he hitting? He's just hitting their equipment, just making pretty explosions with all that stuff. It's and ooh. then later looking back on, I was like, "Oh, it's all the food." They yeah. were—that's true. They were going to get the food, and uh that's the big win for her, Chris. Why weren't all three dragons there? Uh, budget. Uh, budget. But had it been an attack, it doesn't matter if she's on one. The dragons can still do what she commands. Uh, why weren't all three dragons there? That's the part that bothers me because. The whole scene that comes up after next would have never have occurred. Three dragons on that on that whole entire thing would have taken out the entire spot in less than five minutes. They'd have flamed you know, that thing. That was one drag one dragon flame that entire place. Let alone put three on it. She's only been in battle with one, only. Yeah, she only rides that one yeah. though. So, yeah, that that is. I would. I hope they would would touch on that. Except for like, the ships. Uh, when they took out all the ships in not Marine, but the other uh, in Slaver's yeah, Bay, yeah, the place, yeah, 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 and they just went down there and did their did dirty. Jamie mm-hmm. sets up the archers only to set up the the ballista, the Kyburn's big, you know, crossbow. Like the 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 all the archers are there to show that the 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 arrows are basically worthless, and so he tells Bron to go to the ballista, or actually Bron tells him, and he goes, "I have one arm and I can't pull it, dude." You've got to yeah. go. And then you just see all the Krispies as Bront. Like, he's fighting. He's, like, going through, and he's running, and there are people that are crispy. He, he grabs a sword at one point. He doesn't even know where he's going at one point. It's kind of crazy. There's Dothraki taking people off with all these, like, hooks. Necks are going everywhere. This is, like, the first battle where you're rooting for both sides because right. you don't want any deaths on both sides, and... Ooh, it was it was tingly every every time like seeing Braun run through everything. I was like, no, don't don't die, Braun. Please don't because you're probably one of the best characters. Yeah, but no one died. No, I and know. that was a big miss no. because you had all of this set up on that scene. You had all these big names. I mean, even Dickon lived. Come on, man. When Dickon said, mean, you can kill somebody, you can kill Dickon, and. That, that was surprising that they didn't kill anybody major, or at least on screen. This was the Telltale, uh, where Dickon saved Jamie, and Telltale will remember that. So, like, Jamie yeah. will remember that Dickon saved him at one point after the conversation that set that up. That wasn't so, Dickon, was it? He, yeah, he stabbed the guy from behind, like, because oh, it was about okay. to get Jamie. That's true. And he looks up, and it's Dickon, yeah. it's Dickon, and I'm like, Telltale will remember that. Like, I you know what I mean? And then Jamie moves Taylor. on because I figured he's going to save him at one point. Like, the whole conversation earlier was to set up the this, the fact that he saved him. I'm like, oh, that's why they talked to that guy. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. But then he finally gets one of his shots off. And uh, one thing we missed, and I know I missed for sure, I, I projected that 
the ballista was not going to be mobile. It was not going to be with them, and it was going to be mounted on the castle. But not only is it mobile, but that thing's got some maneuverability. <sighs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's pretty versatile to be able to take out a dragon, and and Abram was able to to to, to wing Drogon. The thing about it was I was surprised at how quick Braun was loading that thing. I didn't think that it was going to have that fast of a reload time. In in real life? Reality, yeah. it doesn't. <laughs> I know, exactly. And in high fantasy, it yes. does. <laughs> it, well, Braun just has dim arms, you know? Yeah, yeah he, he, and he's Braun. He's a hero. He, he can do anything super fast and effective when he needs to. In the midst of that scene, they pan back. And they show Tyrion on the top of the hill, which, by the way, I don't really know why he's there. I but he's—it's—I think it's set up because of the comment from Danny about him trying to save his family, and he's literally watching all of the Lannister army die. So he has to—he <laughs> has to be there to to watch that. And that d bag comment by the Dothraki, like your guys can't fight worth a shit, like was really bad. Like I when I when he said that. I even took offense. I'm like, dang, dude, do you really have to go there? And Tyrion doesn't say a word. He still stays quiet, and he just watches it all happen. And like you said, Cajun, that first shot, way miss. Like, it, the dragon was like, really? Because it looked like it was an arrow. Like, no big deal. That second shot in the shoulder blade was no joke. And it took that dragon, and it went from, hey, I'm flying in the air, to like, imagine whatever a wing's going down in Top Gun and all of a sudden you're, that thing is spiraling down. Oh man, that noise that Drogon makes. My wife was like, the cat lady in me. Oh my God. I just want to <laughs> run and hug it. Yeah. No, like, I really thought he was going to, because as soon as I realized uh, uh, it was over water, I really thought Drogon was going to crash into the water. Me too. Um, and and live because you could tell he was winged from the shot, but um, I I did like how they played that out with that bit of surprise where Drogon actually uh, gathers his uh, his balance, resets his wings, and is able to uh, to safely land. But unless he uh, takes out the, the scorpion, yeah, any, any ta- yeah, he takes it out, takes out the machine that like basically you know hit him. Yeah, he got all pissed off, but when he lands, Danny is trying to take out you know, that arrow. And by the way, CGI, absolutely terrible. P.S. It was bad. Like her standing in front of that dragon was really bad CGI graphics. I, yeah, yeah, I wasn't yeah, even yeah. looking. Yeah. The dragon looked good, but she didn't look great. <laughs> I, I was just like in the moment. I didn't even care because uh, Jamie yeah, exactly. comes in, Jamie comes in and uh, fails a QTE. And yeah, uh, I felt for Tyrion because I look down and I'm like, don't do it. Don't be stupid. Don't yeah. do it. Don't be stupid. And Tyrion says the same exact thing. But it's funny because he's so far away and he's just like, it's very like whimsical. I don't know. It was really weird. It's like, why? Why? Yeah. See, only a fool would meet Dothraki in the open field. Also, only a fool tries to joust with a dragon. Yep. And that's exactly what he's doing. I. No, he's, he's, no, he's, he's trying co- to kill yeah, Danny. Yeah, he's going after Danny. He's trying to kill he Danny, feels like he's but got technically he's jousting with a dragon. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think that this is this whole thing is them kind of showing that Jamie is kind of give, getting to that Idgaf area, just yeah. like Cersei, where he's he's more just like, I don't, I don't care. I know everything, and I just... I'm just going to kill something. 
Yeah, well, he he knows he wants to win, but at the same time, he's a smart military commander. And there's right now, the dragon is harmed. There's a chance it might not notice him coming. And I have open field. I'm in full armor on horseback. And I can possibly charge and take down the queen of the army and end this war right now. And even if he dies... And he's, he, he's, he's willing to sacrifice his yep. life for that because that's, this ends the war right now. All this death can stop if I kill her. Yeah. And he's really trying to make that happen. And he that that's more of a strategic sacrifice than a, I don't give a sacrifice, I think, at that point for him. Yeah, if he goes down in a blaze of glory, he's, his name is, is re- renowned. You know what I mean? He's the person who took the king t- slayer. Yep. Yeah. He, he he gets a different title. And then there's this as soon as he's charging, you see Danny freeze, and of course the dragon turns its head. So one of two things is gonna happen. That dragon's either gonna light his rear end on fire, or it's gonna bite him. One of the two. And then you see a foreign body. I'm assuming it's Bron. I, I it's it Bron. has to be. They yeah. don't say what it is, but it has to be him. Who like yeah? If you look at slow mo, it looks like light armor and bronze. He's the only one close enough that is of main character status to put into that, uh, unless Mm -hmm. for some reason Dickon is there. Uh, It was light armor. I rewatched that scene again, slow mo, and it looked like it was the light leather armor that Bron had when he was. That makes sense. And to knock Jamie into the water, a makes sense because it's so close. Obviously, b it it repels the flame. And C, it leads up to a scene that shows Jamie with his eyes wide open, falling backwards in the water. Armor, one arm. It would lead one to believe that he's not going to recover from this. But who's going to tell Cersei about Lady Lady Tyrell and all the stories? Somebody's going to pull this guy out of the water. Uh, Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That, do you think, we're we're all under the assumption that nobody got hit by that fire except for their horses right right rest yes yeah, both horses passed i think both in this scenario both braun and jamie live yep. uh but um at the end of that scene i kind of was still kind of hoping jamie would escape mm-hmm. because we we still need our, our jamie theories to come to reality mm-hmm. so i was doing a little fantasy football hyping for the other team there but it, from all intents and purposes, both Braun and Jamie are captured, which is going to lead to a more interesting storyline of what does Tyrion do? Hmm. Because Braun's his boy and Jamie's his brother, and now they're captors of war where he's the hand of this, the queen that captured him. So that's going to be the more interesting storyline. Uh, does he help him escape? Uh, does he convince him to bend the knee? Like all, there's all kinds of storylines that can happen there, but uh, it, it all involves them being captured under Daenerys and Tyrion being there to make this storyline happen. So that's why he's there. It's for this next episode. So before we get into our theories, thoughts, and processes, any final thoughts on this week's episode? I thought it was good. I I actually thought that it was exactly what these last three needed to come into. I I liked it. I thought it was pretty well paced and fun. Yeah, I liked I liked the pace of it. The the one thing I didn't like was that no one major died at all. With such a significant battle, one of the biggest battles they've had there, so many major characters, even if it was just in another scene somewhere else in the show. 
uh, like even like John killing Theon or something like or that. Or Sam chokes Having on a grape. such a big episode like huh? Or Sam yeah. chokes on a grape. Exactly. Yeah. Just like, hey, Sam's here. <laughs> oh, Sam, he's learning something. But there's something, just Shoot something out of the important die in that episode. I think that that's what it was missing because that's something we come to expect from Game of Thrones is that nobody's safe. And it, right now, with it being outside the books, people are starting to feel a little too safe right now in terms of from a viewer's standpoint. The last three episodes have been all dialogue, no war, which is non-typical from Game of Thrones. Normally, there's a big battle or big scene of some sort. This was the makeup for the big battle they haven't had in the previous three episodes. Remember, they went right through Highgarden. They had Casterly Rock. Casterly Rock was very minor. It was quick cut scenes. And so was Highgarden was quick cut scenes. This was a full on, we're going to spend a crap ton of money on a battle. Remember, they, uh, like I talked about last week, they hired over 100 horses. And then obviously they have a CGI and all that other stuff. But you got all these Dothraki. I mean, they were doing parkour off of horses in the middle of this battle with bows and arrows. And like the one guy did it like a backflip with two shanks. It was like just taking people's necks out. So this was a really bad battle scene just in general. And it also showed the Dothraki as, hey, this is the reason why we brought them here. That open ball, that, this is where they shine, the open open field. This is, this is their playing field. So it was nice to see the Dothraki finally being shown the reason why they crossed the whole sea was, was basically this battle. Yep. So no, I, I like that. I like the Dothraki finally get to see him in there as well too. Any final thoughts? Uh, or, or we want to go? Let's go into hits and misses. Let's go into hits and misses. Things that we thought that the show hit on this week. Things that it didn't hit on this week. Things that we hit on personally or didn't hit on. Uh, uh see, I hit that Daenerys was going to get a win in episode four by dragon and Dothraki attacking, but we kind of all agreed yep. to that. I think, Chris, you were, you were a big proponent of that one, if not the first proponent of that one. But I did miss that uh, Daenerys was going to steal Cersei's gold. I think that was something a couple of us were on as well, too, and it definitely didn't happen. That was a huge miss for me. Like, I, I really thought the gold thing was... I, I think that's a big miss for the show in general. Like, I thought that that would have been an awesome plot line had they, had they been able to steal the gold. Um, I definitely hit on the fact that I thought that a dragon was going down. I just thought it was actually going to die. So I missed on that part, but a dragon did go down. I mean, it, there was a clipped wing. And I said Jamie was going to attack the dragon. I thought he was going to actually be able to, to, to do some damage. Instead, it was Jamie getting the damage. So I'll take a half a point on that. I had... Um, uh, my hits are John's not bending the knee. Um... <laughs> that's a rolling win every week he doesn't bend knee. she's like bend the knee bitch and he's like no yeah. he's like win <laughs> tally mark alright but my miss was I thought that Arya was just going to turn right back around and go to King's Landing and she went to Winterfell so uh, that was a huge miss on my part um, for the show though um, misses can't really think of any i really like this episode but hits i thing that sticks out in my mind the most is the uh aria and brienne fight like that was a great fight yeah my only miss was what i just mentioned earlier no one no one major died and i think that was a miss of the show to to do something this big and not have that happen to put even more emotional strings uh on the episode I, my miss for the show is the forced tension. So whether it be sexual or some of the scenes where they're trying to force things that, that don't really exist, like the characters just don't have the tension between them. 
and they they push it upon the scene to make it feel that way sometimes makes it awkward i still don't feel a kinship between danny and uh john snow i feel like it's a forced situation between two people who feel awkward around each other but they keep, they're trying to make it sexual so that's just a personal thing but as far as the show hitting um i think it hit on all cylinders as far as the big fight scene i i think again the rest of it was all filler to me it, if it wasn't for the last 15 minutes the show could have gone a completely different way as far as how i feel about the entire show for this week had right this, this show was all about the final scene it was just what can we do in the first 30 minutes 35 minutes to get the final 15 awesomeness let's do the bare minimum and get the big payoff of this battle scene any thoughts or theories going into episode five so we know that the next episode from the preview uh they're starting to talk about east watch yep um i i was watching a video and they pointed out that in the opening there is uh over where they show east watch there is ice where the wall ends and the ocean is frozen over so that could potentially mean that the white walkers are going over to east watch and then going to walk over the ice and go around the wall uh, they showed. Uh, I thought. I thought that was my theory with uh, with what what's, what's his face saw. Uh, yes, yes, with, yes. What, with the hound mm-hmm. saw. I thought that was. Uh, uh, but I, I can't remember if I'm forcing that into my brain now. You but could. Good be. thing is, you could be. I have a podcast that I can go back yeah. and listen to if I said that the right way. You know or not. what? <laughs> You're probably right, and I'm jumping on that bandwagon. If you are. So what? What's it called <laughs> when brand like mind warps? they've got a name for warging it. warging right warging. so he wargs into the white walker he the head of the white walkers they show that scene in in the next episode they show him warging into that so he sees where they are i thought that was a crow no no he wargs into a crow and oh, oh, they actually okay. show well, crows flying over he has a, he has the ability the, to find the, them and right? the, yeah he uses the crow he wargs the crows the crows find them and then the night king looks up recognizes the crows as brand okay and so he has like a staring off thing with uh, Bran is the uh, uh, is is the assumption of my assumption. I, I, mi- I misread it, but I thought that he f- was able to find him. But he has a connection with them, so he's able to find them at any given point. I would assume. The White Walkers have seen him yeah, the in the pat. Uh, the Night King has seen him during while he's going through the past, and actually like oh, stared true. right at Bran. So right, uh, if he wargs around the Night King. Night King knows he's there. What? That's true. That's true. We, I remember that now. Playing off of yep. what you said, Cajun, what would have been what would be interesting is if if they capture Jamie, if that's what this does, and he isn't dead, if they are able to play him as a double agent, basically he and Tyrion talk, he is able to convince him, and then tells him, "Okay, now I'm going to let you go, and you're going to say I escaped." but be able to play like a double agent against Cersei of some sort, which is and ends, ends up being how he eventually either kills her or whatever. But I think that, that would play, be an interesting plot point if he was able to, you know, maybe tag team up with his brother at some point. Maybe not all the way. Maybe it's not like a, 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 a pure connection, but at least enough that he realizes she's in the wrong and he still feels family ties to Tyrion. And so that's how it occurs. I like that theory because it, it, it takes full circle all of the negative stuff that Jamie's starting to feel about Cersei. Everybody's telling all this negative stuff. 
and he's hearing all of the propaganda that Cersei's saying about Daenerys, and it's all propaganda. He gets to see her for what she really is, and yeah, Tyrion wins him over, I think. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Good one, Chris. Uh, Chris, you and I actually talked about a little bit of like time travel theory and everything. Mm-hmm. Oh um, yeah, and it seems like we kind of were going down a different, uh, different path of thinking. Uh, would you want to share yours, and I could share mine? You go first. I'll go second. Okay. Uh, well, I think that uh, honestly, Bran might be one hundred percent the most important character of this whole entire show, and the reason why is because the reason that any any of this stuff is happening is because of what he's done in the past already. And he, everything since there are two different theories of how time travel works. You go back in time and you live through what you have done in the past, like with Hodor. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. And I think that that might be the case because they've already shown that kind of working that he's already done all the stuff that he's going to do in the past and it's already affected the world. And so he can't really do anything else. Yep. Same, same thing with his, uh, his dad, when his dad was young, going up to see Jon Snow being born, he, he yells out and he affected it a little bit. Um, we talked about the fact that there, there, we, in our cast, we've spoken to the fact that he can only speak to simple minded people, but it hasn't been proven that that's the only thing. And, he could easily, he affected a young Hodor, right? So he was able to kind of play between those because he was close to the character in which he was doing it to. So he was in, in close proximity. Perhaps he could do that to a, if he went back to the past, to a, the White Walker, like the head of the White Walker, so the the Night King. Or perhaps he could do it to a younger Jon Snow. There's, it, they, they haven't... We're, we're stretching because he hasn't, he, do, he doesn't warg in, in his past visions, uh, it, it's, it's been a stretch to even do it with someone, uh, uh, simple minded. And that was supposedly like, he had a conversation with the other kid who worked and supposedly not even possibly to be done. So stretching it into somebody as powerful as the Night King, I think is, is even more of a stretch from there. We're basically taking like one thing and like adding on all these powers to it. And I don't think he has, I don't think he, he can level up like Diablo. And just become like super powered and uh, in, in that front. I think he will have some limits, and I, I think the show won't ex- use random magic powers that he has and go too deep into how they can go because I think it's gonna basically eliminate the importance of other characters. My only thing that I would say against that is the fact that we assume the Night King is smart. He may not be. Remember, he was attacked by uh, the children and basically stabbed to death. So is he really smart or is he just happened to be a victim of something? No, he was tied to a tree. Yeah, he so, was t- so he's a victim. He was tied to yeah, a tree. He was tree, tied yeah. to a tree. So he's a victim of somebody stabbing him with a knife? Uh, or- yeah, because he was tied to a tree. That's no, that, I mean, he could literally be, you, any smart mm-hmm. person can be captured in any kind of trap. So that's nothing with his intelligence, but also like he is the leader. He's, he's in terms of what he can do is he, he doesn't have the Hodor uh, simple mindedness that I, I think is the, the necessity there. And because he can see Bran, he seems to have powers in this realm as well too. So that would, and sort of 
MacGuffin magic sense negate Bran's ability to uh, to affect him even more so because he can see it. Wasn't uh, wasn't the Night King actually the leader of the First Men? Uh, I don't know if he was the leader of the First Men. Was I don't know ever, if that's actually. That... I don't know if that's ever said in anything. But I, if it's that not, would make I would sense. Say, yeah, and so that's why he's able to lead and everything because he's done it before, mm-hmm. and. I mean, he was a man. Or it was the first Night King was the leader of men because like this, because remember they had the White Walkers and then like apparently they killed them or they they banished them, whatever. But then somehow, I I don't know if this is like the second iteration of them and the Children of the Forest accidentally created another Night King when they killed that guy. I think that they actually just this they just banished them. This is the same force that was here before this isn't a secondary force this is the the same four or five white walkers or uh whatever the the not a white but the white walkers. yeah the night king circle yeah i've got a theory on the night king that i just want to throw out there so that i can say it early that i feel like the night king is going to be um impervious to dragon's glass because he already has dragon's glass inside of him so the only way to hurt the Night King is not to hit him with Night Glass, but it's to pull the Night Glass, or the, the Dragon's Glass, out. Do you, does that mean Valyrian Steel would work on him? Uh, it, it could, it, which it, is why the dagger might, may, might, it might have importance, but I think that Jon is going on the wrong path. It'll, it'll affect the people around him, but not him in particular, and he's the one who they need to take out. So I think... It'll be, it would be an interesting plot twist if they kept mining for this dragon's glass. Yet that's not what stops him. That would be typical. That that's a good. That's a, I like that because pulling the dragon glass out of him basically makes all of the White Walkers drop. I think that's and also that could be something of importance that Bran would have to discover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Sam could discover it too. Yeah, Sam could discover it too if 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 that was written. But I don't know if we've even had the written word around. I mean, did the children of the forest share that to be able to get that into? Well, the who citadel? knows how old those uh, old those books are? They could be thousand uh, tens of thousands of years old, maybe, or copies yeah. of copies of copies. You know, yeah, it could. But I, I don't know. But that's. Uh, but I do like that it being a surprise, like you can't kill him that way, and then you, they have to put, do it the, the other way of pulling the dragon glass out yeah. of him. But Valerian Steel, if I'm not mistaken, has dragon glass melted in it, so it it, it make it does the same thing dragon glass can do. That, right? Yeah, I believe so. But that would be a great season seven ender, where mm-hmm. they where they go to use it on him and it doesn't work, and so then it's like, oh crap, what do we do? And, and then so they have to, again. and that's that's season eight. And you have to figure it out with like what six episodes or whatever, however many episodes it is that they have, and, and seven, yeah. whatever. All right. So y'all gave y'all theories. I've had a chance to give Sorry. mine. I just have one this week. Uh, that's fine. I'm I'm last on the list. But uh, so, what was the name of the ballista that shot Drogon? What is a scorpion? Venomous. Oh, yes. Oh, I don't like that. <laughs> The arrow is was poisoned. Oh no! So Drogon's gonna slowly get sick. That's not good. That dude, oh. that would lead to the death of the dragon on what I call. Oh, that would be fantastic. <laughs> oh, Kyburn yeah, because has it's been also so, made by the poison. Yes, Kyburn right? has been so into poison and everything recently too. They've shown him make two poisons so far and being really good mm-hmm. at it. Go oh, Cajun, you are smart, man. <laughs> <laughs> I like that I idea. Like, Why do you call this thing scorpion? 
<laughs> that's an interesting name for a weapon. You just got me really excited. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. That's so cool. Uh, is your dick on? Yes. <laughs> uh, see what I did there with words? <laughs> and that dude's name. Yeah. Uh, so I believe we're coming to the end of a spoiler cast for season seven, episode four. Uh, the spoiler cast known as Dick on. Um, so <laughs> I wasn't going to call it that. I was just a joke, but man, <laughs> it's been a thing. <laughs> Jeff, where can people find you at? You can find me on Twitter at the Jeff Barry. You can also find me on the nerd credentials podcast. And, uh, we should next week be putting on TLDW onto the stream, probably either Thursday or Friday. Um, and then something else pretty soon. Awesome sauce. That's a lot of freaking podcasts. It is. It's like four. <laughs> Derek, where can people find you? Caucasian State, all one word on Twitter and celebrating the victory of Uprising Warmind. Uh, we have only a few more hours left, but we're over double number two right now in Destiny Clan War, so yay, we go out on top. And for me, you can find me at Two Wolves, T-W-O-W-O-L-V-Z-Z on Twitter. For Geekologist and Ninja Pancake, we are out.